0: If you will turn with me to Ephesians chapter three, Ephesians chapter three in our passage for today will be found in verses uh, one through thirteen. If you don't have a Bible, we have the pew Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you or behind you. Uh, should be on page nine seventy-seven. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 is our passage for today. All right, let's start with a reading from God's Word. It says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. That is the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Let us uh, pray. Dear only Father, we come to you, Lord, and we are Thankful for this day. We are thankful that we are able to come together and sing of your praises, uh, plead with you to uh, meet with us and for us to be nourished and washed by you. God, the only reason we have this access is because of what your Son has done in our place. For we were these children of wrath, these um, trespassers, these sinful people who uh, rejected you, that denied who you were, and you saw fit that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. It is a beautiful display of mercy and grace that we were shown, um, but you did not do this and and uh, forsake your own justice, for you poured out this wrath that was due to us on your son and we are forever grateful. Because of this great display of love, many of lives have been changed. Um, many of us here have been changed, our, our, our families, uh, Our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, many generations going back and many generations uh, yet to be born. And so we just thank you for this wonderful grace that you have shown us. And we just pray, Lord, in this time that we are able to see you, uh, that you are able to um, speak to your people through my broken and foolish words, and that um, I am able to get out of the way as you seek to meet with your people today. This is our prayer, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the uh, title of our series here in Ephesians is called The Mysteries of the Church, and our message today is specifically entitled The Mystery of Christ. Uh, We see this word four times in our passage today, and we're going to kind of talk about what that means before we actually get into our message. So if you've heard this word mystery before, which I would assume all of us have heard this word, um, you may think of if you're, I guess, 30-plus, maybe even in your 20s. When you think of mysteries, uh, I think I, I think of like unsolved mysteries, right? Some crimes that have been committed. No one knows who did it. And and it's kind of scary when you think about, man, this could have happened in my hometown. But it's kind of like this cryptic message where people can't figure it out and, and there's those kind of things. Um, but this word, when it comes from the original language, uh, it's mysterion is what the word is. It, it carries a more specific meaning than some vague, code that needs to be cracked, and it means more like seek, something that's secret, something that's hidden from certain people that's known by others is, is what this word means. Uh, so for example, what this is telling us, and we'll see this in our passage today, I'm sure we've most of us have heard the phrase, uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, right? We, we've, a lot of us have heard that phrase, and what that is referring to is there's all these types and shadows and, and figures and prophecies that we see in the Old Testament that don't have their fulfillment until we come to the New Testament? We see that they were fulfilled in Christ, and so that's kind of this this idea of this mystery that that's out there. Christ is that mystery, uh, but when we talk about the mystery of Christ, well, what is that? What what was revealed in Christ? Being this mystery of Christ? Well, if we were to put ourselves in first century Jew or any as a first century Jew or any time before that, uh, we would have been known as God's chosen people, right? We were born into this lineage. Uh, we would be able to trace our our our, gen- our our line back to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, in doing so, we would know that we need to offer sacrifices for our sins. We follow the commandments, right? We don't intermix um, fabrics and, and crops and all these different types of things. There's all these things that we do, and we've done them for generations, and that's kind of who we were. That's who we were. We were these kind of people. And we knew that as long as we did these things, God would care for us and and we would continue on uh, in our lives. Um, And God was, they were, they were God's people and and he was their God. But when it came to the Gentiles, it, it wasn't so much the same thing. Pastor kind of mentioned this last week where even Gentile converts were not allowed into the same places that Hebrew men were allowed. They had a temple court that was specifically for the Gentiles. And so there was even a second-class citizenship for converts to Judaism. And so there was this even this separation there. But what the mystery of Christ revealed for all these people, for us, and for what, we, what we're going to see in our letter today, was not only that salvation was going to come through this Messiah, through the, the seed and the line of David, uh, but this, this sacrifice, this salvation, would be offered for all mankind Uh, This would just be done through the Jews first, and then it would proceed out to the Greeks, to the Gentile world, excuse me. So Jesus Christ, the true vine, he would be the one that would be cutting off these dead branches and grafting in these wild branches, which would be the the Gentiles. And so what the mystery of Christ is, what we kind of see in a nutshell, and what we're going to kind of lay out today, is that it's the gospel. It's the gospel of grace, this unmerited favor that's shown to a, a sinful mankind. And so kind of going back to the idea of how these Jews did all these things to try to maintain this relationship with God in their own eyes, <clears throat> it, made, it didn't make a whole lot of sense if they were saved by grace, for them to be stingy with this stuff that God had given them. Uh, they didn't earn it themselves. They failed at keeping the law. They continually sought, sought after different gods. Uh, they continually did the things that they were not called to do. Uh, they were shown long-suffering, loving-kindness, and mercy over and over and over again. That's what we see throughout the Old Testament. Um, and now that this same grace that was shown to them is being extended out to the Jews, there was there was issues there, right? We were God's people, right, is what they would say. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't even understand it. It was a, a mystery to them. And so that's kind of where the the idea of what we're going to talk about today kind of finds its its roots. Um, but beyond that, <clears throat> I guess the kind of to consider that this was something that was hidden, that it was a mystery, that they didn't understand it. I think what makes it even worse for them in this time and we're kind of there with ourselves today is the fact that this truth, this mystery wasn't hidden and, and dug into the ground to where they couldn't find it. It was actually hidden in plain sight. Uh, this was revealed to Abraham, right the Abrahamic covenant we were told Abram was Abraham was told in Genesis 12 that he would be the father of many nations and all families through him would be blessed. So we see the groundwork being laid even with, uh, with Abraham. Uh, and then we get to the time of Saul in the book of Acts, a Pharisee, a Pharisee who knew the law in and out, was righteous and blameless before the law. Uh, he didn't even understand it, right? He knew the law like the back of his hand and he still didn't understand who Christ was and the salvation that was available to, to the Gentile world until Christ himself confronted him and made him known uh, who he was on the road to Damascus, and so that's kind of where the the theme is for us today, right? This these mysteries of Christ, these things that don't quite make sense to the to the mind, to the to, the, to our reason, the way we kind of logically think through things. Um, but we're going to see how this played out in the life of Paul, right? We're going to see the mystery of Christ and how it impacted him in, in three different ways. We're going to see how. Because of this, what, Paul, what, what Christ did for Paul with the, the mystery of Christ, we'll see who he is, uh, what he does in light of that, and then how he does it, the, the motivation behind what he does. And so those are going to be the three things that we spend our time in uh, doing today. So let's first look at, at uh, the first five verses, verses 1 through 5 in chapter 3. And we will talk about who is Paul. Like, who, who is he, right? Who, who is he? Well, we see first in verse 1, he tells us that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. This is the first thing that he tells us. Ephesians is one of four letters that was written uh, from, from prison. Paul was in prison, and he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, uh, to the um, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and then the letter to Philemon. These are all written while he was imprisoned. And Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ, right? He didn't consider himself a prisoner of Rome or Nero, Caesar, uh, or the local magistrate. That wasn't the way he described himself in this letter. He was a prisoner of Christ. Now, Paul was a Roman citizen. We see that in the book of Acts when he appeals, when he's about to get arrested and and executed. He appeals to uh, being a Roman citizen, and, and he gets freed, so we know that he had that citizenship as a as a Roman. Um, he wasn't a fugitive, and he willingly gave himself up in this time to be arrested, Arrested, excuse me. Now, since Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ, as I was reading this, I don't know if, if you're like me and the way my mind works, but sometimes I know I'll say stuff just to kind of pump myself up, to kind of remind myself of why, why I do what I do, and um, that may be something that you have, Maybe considered as we read this, like is this Paul just kind of being arrogant, or, or you know, I'm not a prisoner of these people. I'm a prisoner of Christ. Uh, is he being defiant or obnoxious? And and these kind of thoughts went through my head just because of our culture today, right? When you think about people who uh, are like anti-maskers, right, where they just they go somewhere and regardless of what they say as a business, they're just like. I'm not wearing this, and, and they just fly off the handle. People get punched in the face in airlines and get arrested and tackled, and all kind of craziness is going on because people are just dead set on doing what they want to do, right? Um, they're not going to be a prisoner to the system or whatever, whatever they want to say. Uh, now, I'm all for personal liberties, right? If, if you feel like that's what you want to do, by all means, do it. Uh, my my uh, um, What's the word? Me, me trying to help you out a little bit. Just make sure you're using wisdom whenever you find a hill to die on, right? Just make sure it's, 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 a, it's a godly one, right? Um, but what's, So what's going on with Paul here, right? If he's saying he's a prisoner of Christ, is this him doing like some of these people do or is, is it something different? Well, what I, what I believe, what we can see from our passages is, is the fact that Paul knew his place. He knew his lot in life. As we read in Ephesians 1 and as we preached through these uh, sermons that that pastor did in Ephesians 1, we see that uh, we are elected by the Father, we are redeemed by the Son, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? We see these playing out in those first 11 verses. Uh, Paul knew that he had been bought with a price. He, he writes about this in 1 in, uh, Corinthians. And as he told the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is who Paul is, right? In, in Philippians, he tells us to live as Christ, to die as gain, right? Paul, as a prisoner of Christ, was now walking by faith and doing what he was sent to do. So all that to say, who is Paul, right? We're, he's a prisoner of Christ, but what is he, right? He's a prisoner of Christ on behalf of the Gentiles, right? That's what his calling was. He was a prisoner of Christ on behalf of of the Gentiles and what Paul would do as we see him being locked up for the gospel he was willing to do whatever it took to get the gospel to the Gentiles now when I think about that I think about who he was before Acts 9 or I guess Acts 9 and before that it's you can say it's uh, mysterious or paradoxical or ironic uh, whatever word you want to fill in the blank there it's, if you were a first century convert to Christianity uh, you were part of the way, is what they were known as Saul of Tarsus who became Paul. He would have been someone who sought to kill you, imprison you, or have you beaten. This is who he was. He was in, you were an enemy to him. Uh, you were considered um, yeah. just just the, the worst of the worst, right? You, you're a heretic, an apostate, all these things. He, he would not have liked you in, in any capacity. and this is, this is what he was. He sought to, to end you. Uh, But now, right, as Paul, when he was converted on the road to Damascus, now this same Saul, this same man, now is willing to die in order for you to come to Christ. Right? like you see this flip in him. And I find that fascinating when I think about that and him understanding that he is this prisoner of Christ and what he was called to uh, by Christ. Uh, He puts it this way in his letter to the Philippians. In chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, he says it this way. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ, right? He's letting them know that every prisoner and every guard that's guarding these prisoners understand why he's there, that it's about Christ. But then he goes on in verse 14 and he says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Right, so not only is him being imprisoned caused the entire imperial guard and all these prisoners to hear about Christ, it has also strengthened the brothers who were not arrested, who may have been fearful of being arrested, to be emboldened to continue to preach the gospel as they were called to do. So Paul, as a prisoner of Christ, knew what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen. Now, this leads us to our next point that we're going to look at in verses 6 and 7. We'll, we'll see what he does, right? In light of who he's been called to as his prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles, we see this transition from what he does for them to who he is called to be. And so this is this is how it also impacted him, this, this mystery of Christ, this gospel of grace. Uh, so what did he do? Well, let's reread verses 6 and 7. It says this, This mystery... Is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel? Right. This is kind of what we discussed. He was a, a min. He was a. He was a uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. This message that was hidden with the with the Jews is now expanded to all of all of mankind. And and this is what God is using. He is this chosen vessel that God is using to bring in uh, the Gentiles. And then it goes on in verse seven of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Right? I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So what does he do? Right? He, he became a minister of this precious gospel to the Gentile world. Now, something that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about ministers and preachers and, and that type of Thing as I was going through this, it it made me think of, I I use social media regularly, right, like I think some of us, maybe most of us do, and um, you can always catch these little snippets of sermons where you have these famous preachers, uh, some good, some bad, some terrible, where they've got these real witty little quotes, right, where it's like a 30-second clip, a minute clip, and It's just like heart wrenching, like they either tug at your heartstrings and make you cry or they just they blow your mind with what they're saying. Like, wow, this is so, so awesome. Right. They've got these phrases and ways with words and and their mannerisms that that just really uh, enamor you. And like they they're very captivating in their speech. Right. Um, And these can be helpful from time to time. I don't want to just like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, But there's one in particular that I'll just, I won't say who said it, but uh, that is, it's terrible, right, when this guy says, God broke his law for love, right, and it's like, what, right, but it it sounds good, when you hear that, you're like, oh, wow, God loves me so much, he broke, like, so he's gonna, yeah, so anyways, there's things like that that get torn up and, and just, they, they're, they're, they're horrible. But these are the kind of things that get put out there to try to entice people to listen to more of these preachers. And like I said, there's some that are good that are great, and there's some that are bad that just are, are, are terrible. But if we go back to the Word of God, right, this is what's most important. This is where we should find truth and, and view everything in light of it, right? Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think, we should take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, and, and that should be the, the driving force and the filter with anything that we think or, or do or say. And so Paul says it this way, right? He says this in 1 Corinthians 2. Um, well, I'm going to paraphrase. He tells us that he did not come preaching the mysteries of Christ. I'm implanting that uh, with lofty speech or wisdom, right? That, that was not his intent to have lofty speech or wisdom. He didn't want to be known for that. Well, what did he want to be known for? He sought to know nothing and preach nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Praise God, right? That was what his intention was. I, it doesn't matter what I look like, what I sound like. Uh, Christ, that, that's what's most important. Now, I'm not denying that you can be up here and dry and boring and all that. We should be excited to talk about Jesus. Um, but what's most important, right? It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, what that tells us about Paul and what that should tell us about ourselves is that it was this solid foundation of God's word upon which Paul staked his claim and got his marching orders and never left, right? It was that foundation because all other foundations are sinking sand. He stood upon the word of God and that's where he preached from. So here, Paul calls himself a minister, right? That's that's what he calls himself, a minister. This is the Greek word diakonos, which... May, have, may or may not have heard that word, but it carries a similar meaning or it looks similar to our word deacon, right? The word deacon. It also means servant uh, or waiter, right? Like a, someone who's waiting, serving food. It, it carries that common kind of meaning. The word is defined as one who executes the commands of another, right? One who executes the commands of another. Now, before I was brought on staff here at the church, me and, and Pastor David, both of us, were licensed licensed uh, to the gospel ministry or ministers of the gospel. That's what we we got a certificate, right? Uh, we got a piece of paper that said that the church recognized the calling that God has given us. We got that, and and that that was our our title after after that point. Now, what does that mean, right? What does that mean that we that we're now ministers of the gospel? Does it mean that uh, now when we walk in a room, everybody needs to be careful and? And revere us, or or you know worship the ground we walk on, or we get you know get to get in line first to eat food when the, we do fellowship meals and things like that. Is that kind of what it means? No, right? That that's not what it means at all. If you want to do that for us, great, you know I'll take it. But uh, that's not what that word means, right? And I'm totally kidding. Don't do that. Uh, but what does it mean, right? What what does it mean? It means that I have been me. We've been called by God. To serve you the word of God, that's that's it. That, and that's not it. That's not not like it's minimal, but that's what it is, right? We have been called to serve you the word of God. Nothing more, nothing less, right? That that's what's that's what's most important for us. We serve you the word of God, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It doesn't matter what my personal opinion is. Doesn't matter what Pastor Ricky's personal opinion, uh, brother Pastor David. Uh, Brother Lee, any teachers that you hear from here, our opinion means nothing. It's it's just that. It's an opinion. What does the word of God say? Right? That's what's most important. We are called to serve you in this in this fashion. Right? I am a minister. I am one who executes the commands of another. Paul says it this way. Right? This We're going back to Paul. In 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, he says, This is how we should regard us. This is how one, excuse me, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Right. We what when you think of a stewardess. Right. It's someone who's at your beck and call. Right. I'm not going to be a slave. But yeah, if you need something. Spiritually, I got you, right? Me, Pastor David, we all got you, right? That, that's what we're here for, to be servants and stewards of God. Verse 2 says this, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. right? Not that they be eloquent or good-looking or funny, right? None of these things is, is what's required of us. We are required to be found faithful. As a servant, as a minister, we are to be found faithful. To our master. When I think about it, right? When I we sing these songs and you know think about when I when I reflect on who I am as as an individual, I've got nothing that I can bring to the table. I, I can I've I, we study these passages and I'm I'm grateful for what I learned, but then it goes from private uh, nourishment to being able to to present God's word to the people, and there is a disconnect. Where I have to wait upon God to to reveal to me and to to work in me what is to be shared with you. There is there is a defined disconnect where I am not able to do that. I just I can't. And sometimes it's very frustrating because it's like Saturday night that is finally coming. Uh, but it is we wait upon the Lord, right? That that's what we do. It, it's it's not what I want. It's what God wants for His people. I am commanded to do this. Pastor Ricky, Pastor David, all of us, we are commanded to do these things uh, for you, right? It's it's not about us. I I know the destruction I can cause in my own life. My my wife, my kids, my parents, my parents definitely know it from growing up. They see what I did when I was in control of my own or when I thought I was in control of my own life. Uh, I I don't want that anymore. I want to know truth. I want to share truth. Uh, I want to be able to Uh, give that to you so we don't have to walk in darkness we don't have to be entangled in sin we don't have to worry about any of those things Uh, it's it's God and his word is is what frees us right it's his truth that sets us free so we want to be faithful to God and his word that's what we want to do we want to serve you in that fashion we want to be Christ-like right we want to as Jesus said himself he said I came not to be served but to serve and to offer my life as a ransom for many Right. That was Jesus. That's what he did when he came. Right. He did not come to be served. Right. He washed feet. He didn't let them wash his feet. He, he washed feet. He died for us. That, that's it's it's a beautiful picture. And, and we are to imitate it. But like I said, he came as a ransom for many, not me. Right. I didn't die for your sins. Um, but like Paul, we are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice um, before god holy and acceptable that that's what we are called to do that is the calling that that's what it means to be a minister of the gospel and that is why i get very very frustrated i'm gonna try to make sure i use my words wisely here but that was what really frustrates me when i see what goes on around our town when i see what families go through uh... at other churches when they're quick to take your money and they're slow to offer any kind of service to you whatsoever. They're not giving you the Word of God, they're not giving you counsel, nothing. You're just kinda, hey, go read this, go do this, or they won't answer your calls. That is the most frustrating thing that I've seen here in town, and and uh, it's cloaked in this veil uh, of, of niceness, and it's, it's evil. It's just evil. There, there's no other way to put it. Um, on Wednesday nights, we're doing a study on false doctrines because it is important for us to see these issues. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that we're a part of a church where the word of God is is supreme, that, that yeah, it's going to cut you, it's going to cut me. It doesn't matter what I think or feel about it. If it's true, it's true. Um, but what's unfortunate is you can go around town a lot and, and not see that, and it's, uh, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating as a pastor to see that, to see people who are saved by God's grace be just tossed to the wolves, you know, and, and, and um, not, not, not see, not see the, the end in sight, but just like I was once there, uh, God was patient with me, and, and he pulled me out of those things. God is working all these things out in his time, and those wolves that are over these, these flocks will answer for what they've done. Now, back on our message... Um, I've quoted Paul repeatedly already, and I think it's important to quote him because we are reading from his letter, and his other letters. They all they're cohesive, right? They all go together. It's not like he's saying this here, but then he contradicts himself over here in this other letter. All of it is is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, all of it is is aligned, and it's us that needs to align ourselves with the Scriptures. Um, But as a minister of the gospel, what we see from Paul, what what we have come under this conviction as well, is that scripture is supreme for us. That is the authority that God has given us. That's what we use to serve the people of God. And I think we see an example of this, a prime example, in Acts 16. In Acts 16, this is when Paul is attempting to travel to Asia it says the Holy Spirit prevents him from going. Then he tries to go to this other place. The Spirit of Jesus forbids him from going there. And then on his way to Troas, um, he has this vision, and it's of this Macedonian man, and he calls out to come, come help us, right? Come help us. And one of the things that I think is very important to see with this verse or with these verses in here is, you know, they're they're crying out for help. When we think of help, we're thinking safety, physical, mental, whatever. We're kind of thinking, okay, maybe we can help serve in some kind of way. But Paul concludes in verse 10, he says it this way, Paul that he concludes that God had called them to preach the gospel. That was what they were sent to do, right? It wasn't anything beyond, they were called to preach the gospel. Now, I think this should serve as a reminder for us. This is the way Paul preached. This is the way that he acted. Uh, we see this through Acts. We see this through his letters, that, that when someone's in need of help, Um, priority should always be not physical mental emotional any of these other things Um, the help should not be primarily there it should be spiritual spiritual help is what we need most right what good does it profit a man to gain the whole world to have mental uh, health but forfeit his soul Right, what good does that do if everything on the surface is good and well and, and just peaceful if our hearts are still unchanged? What, what good does that do us? Jesus puts it this way when he talks about our anxiousness, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. right? If, if you need help in these areas, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now, what I am not saying is if a kid runs out to the street, just preach the gospel to him and and see if that'll bring him back out of the street, right? Uh, There are times when we we have to actually physically do stuff and and we need to serve physically. There's 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 a time and a place for that. But whatever we do, the driving force behind why we do it, the motivation cannot be that thing. It can't end with that, It has to be focused on God and his glory, right? It it has to be focused on the soul of that person. This is why uh, we have friends that go preach at these abortion clinics, and they're preaching the gospel. They're not just saying, they they are saying, don't kill your baby, but they're preaching the gospel because what good does it do if they save the life of this child, but then their soul is, is still unchanged, right? So they're preaching the gospel to these people in hopes that, yes, they don't commit this act of murder but then two that they get saved in the process just like that that that's that that's that intention there Um, but yeah so that's that's like the that's the idea right that's what we should be doing as Christians right we are a chosen race this is what Peter says we are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession this is who we are in Christ But did he do this to show us off his trophies? No, the verse goes on and it says this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, the mysteries of Christ, this is the way it's written in our passage today, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? It's not just a, hey, you've been saved, you're the sinner saved by grace and look at you. It's like, no, you need to take this message to the lost. That's what's needed in this world. You weren't saved just to sit on a shelf and collect dust and look pretty, right? You're called to go out there and seek and save the lost. So church, do not waste another opportunity to take God's word to the hurting, to the lost, to those who are afflicted with any kind of pain. They need it more than you realize, right? Whether this is your spouse, your children, your parents, your family, uh, people here at the church, strangers right that's what's important that's what being a minister of the gospel is it is God and his word that will not return to him void and it will accomplish all that it's set out to do now knowing that this is the power of God right the gospel right that's as as Paul said in Romans 1 I am unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe first the Jew and also the Greek, right? This is the power of God. These are the, the mysteries of Christ that imp- impact hearts and minds. We should always be willing to share the word of God with the lost because it not only helps them, it helps us as well, right? There, there's, it's mutually beneficial as we are faithful to the word, being able to be served ourselves in that way. Uh, Brother Lee had kind of shared something along those same lines earlier, um, kind of drawing a blank in exactly how he said it. But we, we see that, right, in our obedience God softens our hearts uh, as we minister to people. So as Paul did, right, as Paul did, we should do likewise. Having this gospel-saturated life, it not only brings comfort, courage, uh, and contentment to many areas of our life, but it also straightens us out. It it realigns us, or as Pastor likes to say, it recalibrates our thinking from being man-centered or me-centered to being God-centered, right, understanding our place in this world. It, it, It humbles us. And this leads us to our last point, right? We've seen who we are or who he is, Paul, what he does, but now we're going to look at how he does it. What's the, the driving force behind what's, what he does? So how does Paul live this, this outstanding life? I, I think we can all agree uh, we wouldn't want to live Paul's life uh, of, of all the things that he went through, but when we see his life, it is, it is a life uh, well lived, right? He fought the good fight. He he finished his race. It, it's it's an amazing testimony to who God is when we see uh, Paul and the life that he lived. But what was what made his life so outstanding? Well, it wasn't that Paul was this wonderful man. We see many times in the book of Acts where Paul or God tells Paul like, "Do not be afraid. Go to these people. I have many people in this place." So he would be scared, just like we are, right? A lot of the stuff he, we're told about Paul is in hindsight. Right after he's already gone through the trouble and the pain, a lot of it is in hindsight. Uh, so we can't just uh, elevate Paul to some super apostle level. Right. He was he was a man just like us. So what was it? It was the gospel. Right. It was the, the Holy Spirit working through his heart that that changed his life. The, the mysteries of Christ humbled him and brought about a, a meekness and a contentment that could not have been known outside of a relationship with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I want to reread these last six verses, verses 8 through uh, 13, excuse me. And this is where we're going to kind of finish our time. It says this, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, All right, so I kind of try to put a little emphasis on that last part, right? I am what i over, try not to lose heart, or so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you. Paul knew his purpose, right? And in, in, in all of life, he has learned the mysteries of being in need and having plenty, being brought low and abounding, facing plenty and hunger, being set free and being imprisoned. He, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, right? That's contentment. That's meekness. And as we know, as, you, as we should know, uh, meekness is not weakness, right? They are not one and the same. Uh, it, is, it is strength under submission or strength under control. It is a term that's used for or that was used in the first century for beasts of burdens, right? Like oxen, horse, donkeys that would either plow the fields or that would carry the harvest to the market. So a meek animal would be something, an animal that was mild-mannered or domesticated, yet still possessed the strength to handle its load. So meekness says, not my will, but your will be done. Right? When we think about that, when we think about how the gospel impacted Paul's life, uh, how we see this example of it in, in animals, um, and and what, we, how we see it in, in Christ's life, ultimately, how many of us can, by a show of hands, how many of us can honestly say that we are meek and content people? How many out there? I got one in the back. Is that, no, I'm just kidding. I ain't back there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. If we're being honest, right, we, we understand that is not who we are. We are not meek people. We are fickle, and flimsy and, and frustrating and, and selfish. Like, those are the things that tend to uh, resonate with us, not meekness. Paul was imprisoned for preaching the gospel and is suffering in doing so and is telling people, you know what, don't even worry about me, right? This is for your good, right? This suffering that I'm going through right now, is for your good, right? So, so don't even worry about it. Now, I, I, I think about that and I think about how we are in, in our first world country, right? We we, we deal with first world problems. Ugh, Wi-Fi's out, or uh, my, my phone's about to die. Uh, I need to get new tires for my car, right? First world problems. That, that those are the things that trouble us. <clears throat> but or or this, right? We we either get COVID or we're exposed to someone with go, Oh, now you got to quarantine for two weeks, right? Like, I got to sit in my house and watch TV or lay in bed for two weeks. I can't leave my house. Right. That's that's where our mind goes. And and now I'm not saying this to discount. Obviously, people have died from this. Right. People have died from it. Uh, I had a mild case. Pastor Ricky almost died. Right. So we're not making light uh, of the fact that that this is a real disease. Right. Um, But Paul is preaching the gospel and is getting beaten within inches of his life. At one point, he was left for dead. He gets, ar- he gets arrested regularly. These are things that he's dealing with over the course of his ministry, and he's rejoicing in it. Right? We have these issues, and we're just upset. We're frustrated. We want to blame everybody and blame God for, for our lot in life and all these things. Paul is doing what he's called to do, and he's getting the short end of the stick, if you will. And he's rejoicing in it. How is that? How do you go from that to that? The mystery in that is for Paul, and the way it should be for us, is that Christ was his all in all. Our treasure must be Christ, because in him and him alone, in his presence is is found the fullness of joy. As our passage tells us today, Paul knew the unsearchable riches of Christ and the manifold wisdom of God this gospel that he had was the pearl of great price. He could count everything in life as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And being able to share this with the Gentile world, with a world that had no idea they even needed it, receiving these these lashings, these beatings, the shipwrecks, the arrests, all of that stuff, he counted that as joy and his greatest, his greatest joy in life. It made it all worth it. Now, as we see, as, we're, as we close, right, we see and learn about these mysteries of Christ and their impact on the life of Paul. We do this by seeing who he is, what he's done and, and how he does it. But I wanna talk about how this applies to us, right? If it, if it, if it hasn't applied to you yet, uh, I, I want to try to make it a point to help us bring this home. So, <clears throat> take a deep breath with me, because I was <sighs> okay. So, try to try to calm calm your minds a little bit, um, and and I want you to think about the worst day in your life, right? The, the absolute worst experience that you've ever been through, whatever that was. Uh, think about that moment for for just, or think about that for just a moment. How you felt, the emotions that were stirred within you, uh, the thoughts that went through your head, and, and how terrible it was to go through it. whatever Whatever it was. Now, if you're like me, in that moment, you're probably asking yourself, why? Like, why me? Why now? Why them? You know, why are they going through this? Why did we go through this? That, that's kind of the idea that goes through our head. We get angry. We get sad. There's all these things that we feel so with that in mind now I want you to think about Christ and the worst day he ever experienced the sinless spotless lamb of God Dying for my sins. Completely innocent. Made guilty for me. In doing that, in doing that, he freed me from my guilt, from my shame, and from the wrath of God that was owed to me. So now when I look back at my worst days and the terrible days that could be ahead, I look to Christ and all that he's done for me and now that mystery is, is from the world and how, how I can see that God is at work through my worst days and I can still have joy. For this line of momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they are fleeting, they are passing away. But the things that are are unseen are eternal. Now as we invite our music team back up to have our time of reflection I think it's important for us to recognize what God has done for us through his son Jesus Christ and how this precious gift for us changes everything about our lives now this time that we've set aside is a time for prayer and reflection uh, repentance if it's needed um, but I, I want us to take advantage of this time so as a ta- as a song plays uh, take some time to reflect on what we've talked about today what we've seen in this passage, how, how Christ, this mystery uh, ha- has impacted our lives. And uh, spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in prayer with someone around you or you can come up front and we can pray for you as well. But we'll go ahead and uh, start that time.